Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. Two million people took to the streets in Hong Kong last week, and they were joined by the organised labour movement days later in a general strike on Monday the 19th of June, in massive protests opposing a proposed extradition bill. These are the biggest protests in Hong Kong, with approximately two-thirds of the entire city participating. But what's the extradition bill, and why has the proposal brought so many people to the streets? What do these demonstrations say about Hong Kong's relationship to China? To answer these questions, I'm joined on today's program by Carol On, the elected women's officer of the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions. My name is Carol Ng. I'm the chairwoman of um, Hong Kong Confederations of Trade Unions. And um, I previously representing the aviation workers, particular about cabin crews. Um, over 10 years. I used to be a cabin crew of British Airways um, based in Hong Kong and I involved in the um, union movement over 15 years and I was elected as the first uh, female chairperson of HKCTU in uh, about three years ago and um, that was the first female chairperson in 26 years. Excellent. So um, now I'm leading 97 affiliates uh, nearly 190,000 members. So obviously today we wanted to talk about the um, demonstrations in Hong Kong. We understand that these protests are in relation to the an extradition bill um, that's going to allow the government in Hong Kong to send people to mainland China for trial and detention. Can you give us more information about this? What's the context for the extradition bill? What are the offences that could be targeted by this? Um, it, this is not a, a completely new law. It is called a functive ordinance um, in our Hong Kong legislation. And it's been here quite a long time. However, the... Um, it's very important um, points to raise about this law, this bill, this time. It's because um, at the current situation, this um, this law actually differentiating um, Hong Kong legislation and other countries' legislation when we try to extradite um, any suspects or criminals to a, a agreed country. Now, on the basis of that, then we. Um, Prior to our handover back to China, nearly 20 years ago, and uh, at around that time, the joint declarations between the British government and the Chinese government, um, they have been agreed um, keep a, um, a, a line to separate two jurisdictions in between Hong Kong and mainland China. In particular, when trying to extradite any criminals from Hong Kong to mainland. So um, now, um, this year, about four months ago, our chief executive, uh, Carrie Lam, she proposed to have some amendment of this affirmative ordinance and try to remove this um, barrier. And she actually proposed that um, some kinds of, now it's 37 different offenses, which could be submitted a kind of request from mainland Chinese government to request anyone. I emphasize 
anyone in Hong Kong to extradite to back to mainland for a um, legal trial. The problem is the word is any. That means anyone in Hong Kong, no matter Hong Kong local residents, citizens, or any foreigners who transit in Hong Kong, then the Hong Kong government could using a court order and that means to asking the Hong Kong police to enter to anyone's residence to arrest anyone and then start the procedures to extradite that person. Now, you could imagine this is a very sensitive and serious situation for anyone who heard about this. The, the, the main issue is not how many kinds of uh, offences, currently 37 they propose, that will be extradited a person. It's the situation is once a person extradites to mainland China, how and what way to protect that he or she could receive a fair trial. And also, after handover this person to particular Chinese senior officials, government officials or authorities, how could or who actually can promise she or he will receive a very human treatment. If you look at different stories like Liu Xiaobo and um, Li Wang Yang, all these cases in mainland China just telling you a very horrible story. How could an authority in mainland China to, to treat somebody as a criminal or anyone who giving threats or um, possible danger to the Communist Party government? But um, the, the problem, um, it's not only that simple. It's the, the attitude of the chief executive Hong Kong. She was trying to manipulate the current political situation in our tiny legislative council, which is similar like parliament in other countries. And she thought she got enough um, legislators on her side after several discussions or, and um, continued the voting uh, on make the bill pass, she was very confident that it will be passed. And it's showing a problem within our legislative council that um, the pro-Beijing or pro-government pro legislators, which is more than the pan-democratic legislators. So we, we knew that if you just based on the final voting of these legislators, the bill could be passed. But this time, it draws attention from the large, and um, I emphasize this really large amount of the public. They are heavily concerned. In particular, it's the business uh, company and the young generation. The business company, they're worrying, those, those called 37 different offenses is actually um, targeting mostly are the business firms. And when you're dealing business with mainland China these days, or in the previous 30 years, unavoidably there must be some kind of behavior you need to do locally to please the local authorities in order to get fast track on applying certain permits or license. And in mainland, it's open secret, it's common practice, but who knows, after 30 years or 20 years one day, these could become a kind of crime or offenses you have been committed a long time ago. And that's why the business companies and those investments, investors, they are seriously worrying. 
Then second is the young generation, because when they look at what the human rights situation in mainland, they are truly worrying. It they will be living in a kind of fear from now on, because if you criticize the Communist Party or the central government or anything about in China, would that be cost you to disrepute or disrespect? Or perhaps became endangered the security and safety of mainland China, and so that will cost you being extradited. So it's all these unanswered questions throughout these four months on different times of the questioning and discussion and sections within the Le- Legislative Council. It seems Harry Lam and different pa- um, ministers of the Security Bureau um, they couldn't answer it properly. At the end of the day, they try to convince the public is something like、uh, we won't put it in writing. But trust me,、um, the the person who get extradited, and I I promise you, he or she will get、um, human rights protection like that by simply just verbally saying something to promise something、um, about personal safety, about human rights, which is. Far beyond our expectation. You can't just buy verbal agreement these days. You must put it in writing. But again and again, different legislators from Pan Democratic side try to ask the chief executive to do more, and she refused. And then the, the situation developing very rapidly, especially this month, because、um, it seems like the chairperson of the legislative council has been ordered on specific dates. Which was the coming Thursday to to get the voting done. So they try to make it as soon as possible. And the beginning of this argument of extradition law,、um, Harry Lam am just saying that because there was one murder case happened in Taiwan. Two Hong Kong citizens went to Taiwan for a holiday,、um, and that、um, a young boy traveling with、uh, his girlfriend,、um, he killed her. And but then he dumped her body and the remains in Taiwan. But he、um, escaped back to Hong Kong. And due to Hong Kong and Taiwan had no、um, very clear agreement on how to how to extradite a murderer,、um, so this boy couldn't be moved or bring or hand over to Taiwan jurisdiction. So that's why it gives a, a very good background for Carrie Lam to start everything. But after all, the Taiwanese government came out and clearly declared, no matter what, they will not take and they will not receive this boy. And because they still remain that Taiwan is a country, and、uh, if there is any kind of specific agreement for extradition or handover a person, it must be based on a country-to-country based agreement. But then it re- that re- it will relate to the Communist Party how to see Taiwan this position, and、um, no matter what,、um, once again the Taiwanese government firmly say,、um, well, we we don't agree that that way to handle it. So there's no urgency anymore to get this law passed. The Carrieland still pushing forward so hard, so quick. So the organizers of the Civil Human Rights Front. They decided to start、um, the very first rally,、um, I think、um, three, three weeks ago, and the turnout was about sixty、um, thousand or something. 
then um, later, a week later, uh, they um, initiate another rally. The number of the people turn out increasing to, I think it's um, 130,000. And the, fourth, the third time became 1 million, and yesterday became 2 million. So it shows um, a very big, um, big concern from the society, in particular this time. And it's mostly related to the uh, business company side and the young generation side. And on community radio stations right across Australia, you're listening to Accent of Women. I'm speaking with Carol Eun from the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions. We're discussing the current demonstrations in Hong Kong opposing the extradition bill. It has a lot of echoes of the Yellow Umbrella movement from 2014. Are these demonstrations, is the other demands, is the sentiment similar or very different from the Yellow Umbrella movement? I think slightly different because on the Yellow Umbrella movement, mostly they are young people and um, the rest of some um, different walks of life, uh, but mainly uh, not involving the business side. Because at that time, still talking about the, um, the selection of our chief executive and um, in whether it's a universal suffrage. And there was a very political argument, but again, because the Legislative Council, uh, which is very much occupying by those pro-Beijing legislators uh, around that time, um, they simply ignore what the public asking. And it then became, um, as you can see, the Yellow Umbrella Movement um, uh, very con- concentrating about from the young generation and uh, a large group of the people concerning politics and also um, how to make universal suffrage became real. Then, because the involvement of business side, um, that little. So in the Yellow Umbrella Movement, no matter how large scale of our um, 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 introductions or promotions or whatever you call it, to invite more people to get involved, it, it just only part of the society we're able to move. But this time, it's completely different. It seems the entire society, and because the even smaller shops, they agreed today, which is um, free closures. We're asking for workers' strike, business strike, and the student strike. And some shops and the small medium-sized firms, they closed for today. It's a gesture to showing they are also in a very large extent to disagree what the extradition bill. So this is a very clear cut when the um, business companies, they are involving on, or supporting or not supporting a movement. So you mentioned the general strikes, you mentioned the workers' movement coming into this, although you, in your description of the elements of civil society that have come into the protest, you've been concentrating on young people and business. So can you explain... Um, how it is that the trade union movement has come in today with the general strike, but in the context of the tension between workers organising and business interests? I think um, the union itself only just like uh, part of the society only. The unions, they are not the one as the main host to run and raise the flag and keep running of the whole campaign. 
and surprisingly this time the whole campaign or the whole movement which which seems like there's no leaders there's no specific lead or any platforms come out and say follow me it's just the people um, from everywhere but doing the same protest or showing the same demand wherever they are so I think it's a new kind of organizing work in the society movement especially uh, when the union itself um, we are just like a, a part of the participants and support the whole movement usually on the social issues and um, we were the one to lead and to organize uh, quite a lot but this time it's um, so different from from usual so i think um, the entire hong kong and perhaps the rest of the world couldn't just undermine this new power from all people super participants in different places asking for the same demands at the same time and how was the general strike today was it a success how many people came out um, it's hard to tell that the problem is today we got a very heavy rain when we tried to have a strike assembly and in one of the particular space outside Electrico. And uh, we're able to, to see about um, four, four, four to five hundred people turn out in the assembly. But uh, lots of the unions come to us and tell us this. Um, the workers, they are showing um, their opposition of the extradition bill around the workplace. And also some of the employers being informed their workers are on strike today. They actually um, ease all those rules and regulations for applying days off or taking leave. Or someone even receives a strike notice individually from one single worker. They just accept. So I think different people do so many things differently. But I, was, I can see um, in the workplace someone dressed in completely black and showing a black poster or just make the screen in black for today. And um, it seems so far it's quite success. Um, I wanted to go back to Carrie Lam and uh, her efforts to try to push this forward even though there's no urgency and of course we did see uh, that over that in the uh, yesterday or the day before she came out and apologized for um, wanting to push this through so hard we have heard that the movement is calling for her resignation is this even possible um, in relation to Hong Kong's relationship with China can you explain some of um, those implications to us I think the now, after her apology, and uh, people still attacking um, the way how she apologised. Um, don't forget a day before when she met um, all different media in Hong Kong to expressing and deliver the message it will be suspend the bill. And the way she conducts, which is uh, still very arrogant, um, she seems not very willing to do so by um, suspending the bill, but it gave a very obvious implications that she was asking by somebody behind her to do so. And the way she just made people even more furious, so that forced or inviting, I better say, two million people come to the rally. And after the rally, then she gradually using a statement only to apologize. 
And it seems to us she is never care about her own attitude and she's not sincere enough. But the actual fact is, no matter she apologized, she backed down, make it as a suspension, it's still useless because the whole gesture of how she did it was completely wrong. And we don't accept a chief executive behave as such. So she must resign. And she also leading two different um, ministers to handle this situation, which is the um, the head of Department of Justice and the head of the Security Bureau. And these two particular persons during this four months time when they're doing their explanations was really nasty. So <laughs> I think it's showing the, um, the management and the government um, of the, the Hong Kong SAR government leadership team um, is, is really in their weakness uh, situation. They have really uh, weak abilities to carry on leading Hong Kong. So uh, most importantly, we'll just lose the trust to them at all because they forgot um, and I, I don't think they forgot, sorry, I think they deliberately ignored the voices from the public so much. And it's time for them to leave and then let others to do it. Um, also, we must get a very clear answer. It must be the withdrawal of the bill instead of suspension and also Carrie Lam's resignation. Now, it's still gathering quite a large sum of the people outside the central government office. Um, until this time in Hong Kong, it's nearly 8 o'clock. So I think um, the pressure is, again, increasing because we don't accept the apology. We are not asking only the apology. And don't forget, they arrest a large amount of the young protesters yesterday uh, um, on 12 and, and gun shoots them with the rubber bullets very violent and brutally beat them, even they were on them by themselves. And we don't accept violence from the police too. So they, these arrested uh, protesters, they must be released and without charges, they, unless they fulfill all these demands. Otherwise, the crowd outside the government office will not disperse. Well, Carol, thank you so, so much for your time on the program today. That was such a thorough discussion about the situation in Hong Kong and in relation to these protests. Was there anything you wanted to add to the discussion? Um, I think I, um, we need to appreciate all the medias or different platforms around the world to caring about the situation in Hong Kong. It is already seen over hundreds of different criticism or different comments from a very important platforms around different uh, worldwide medias and it gave huge pressure to the government in Hong Kong and mainland China and uh, we appreciate that and um, we are sure we will keep the fight and we will not give up. That was Carol Un from the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions. We were discussing the current demonstrations in Hong Kong opposing the extradition bill. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to us at accentofwomen at gmail.com. 
You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.